open up this evening, one in the book of Matthew, and then one in the book of James, chapter 5. All right, so find your place in, in uh, both of those books, ja uh, the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 5, and also the book of James and chapter 5. As I said a moment ago, uh, Brother Tyler, let me back up, Brother Paul is uh, kind of changing the format a little bit upstairs and has asked Brother Tyler to uh, take care of the music up there for him. And so Brother Tyler's going to be doing that. And Brother Mike uh, Collins will be leading music down here. Uh, but tonight he's wrapping up the final First Steps class. I think it's the third or fourth session uh, that we've done. And to praise the Lord for that. And uh, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll make do down here. And if you just remember this, um, when you come in on Wednesday nights, just make your way to the front. Please don't sit on the sides, and uh, that would be of, of great help. Um, it just, we just kind of get lost in here when everybody spreads out. And uh, so we'll try to keep everybody packed in good and tight and uh, make our Wednesday nights worthwhile. Amen? I don't want you to come to Wednesday night and not be challenged, not get anything. Um, it's never our intent on Wednesday night just to come because somehow we've always done that at Fellowship Baptist Church. Uh, when you come, we want you to be fed. We want you to be glad that you came. And so we're going we're gonna to try to do that tonight, challenge you. Um, I think in a very relevant area of the Christian life and something I think from time to time we need to be reminded of and something that uh, we need to be uh, mindful of at all times. But let's, uh, let's go to Matthew 5 and to verse 37 and then James chapter 5 and verse 12. Matthew 5 and 37, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatever is more than these cometh of evil. And go to the book of James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Let's look at verse 12. There we go. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. How many of you remember the days when a uh, man's word was his bond? I mean, you just, you just said it and you, you, you just could trust people. That's just the way life was. That's the, the day that, that you lived in. Um, how many of you agree that unfortunately those days are gone? <laughs> Absolutely. And because of that, uh, with the Lord's help, I want to I preach to you tonight a very, very practical message on keeping your word. Uh, just because it may be out of vogue doesn't mean it's not right. And when we give our word, then folks ought to be able to count on us. They ought to be able to believe what we say. Amen? And so we're going we're gonna to look at that tonight. I want to start with a quote by uh, John MacArthur. And he writes this in his commentary. Uh, he writes about what he calls credibility gaps. And here's what he says. Credibility gaps 
are not a creation of modern times. They've existed since the fall and have continually been one of the major marks of the world system. Satan is the prince of this world. And since he not only is a liar himself, but also the father of lies, it should not be surprising that the system he heads is characterized by lying. Because all men are born in sin, all men are born liars. Any, any of your parents have to teach you how to lie? The first time they said, who did that? And you know you did it, but you said, I don't know. Did that come naturally for you? Absolutely. You know why? Because we're born sinners. We're born with a sin nature. Our father is the devil. And we have his nature. We have his instincts. We're born liars. Well, you go in there in the nursery right now. Bunch of little liars in there. Did you do that? Uh-uh. Did you break that? Uh-uh. Did you take that? Uh-uh. Little liars. All three of my kids, they were little liars. I was a little liar. My wife, well, she probably wasn't, but I was. But we're born liars. He goes on. He says the natural credibility gap is widened even further by popular novels, movies, television, music, and advertising in which truth, fantasy, and outright falsehood are blended into mixtures impossible to unscramble. Truth is so scarce that nearly everyone is suspect. Business people, advertisers, commentators, clerks, salesmen, lawyers, doctors, tradesmen, teachers, writers, politicians, (laughs) and even many, if not most, Preachers are suspect. Our whole society is largely built on a network of fabrication of manufactured truth. We shade the truth, we cheat, we exaggerate, we misrepresent income tax deductions. We make promises we have no intention of keeping. We make up excuses and betray confidences, all as a matter of normal, everyday living. Isn't that sad that we live in a day where not keeping your word has become, quote, a matter of normal Everyday living. That's sad. We read Matthew chapter 5 and James chapter 5. And basically, here, here's what James, Jesus and his half-brother James were saying. Let your word be your bond. You shouldn't have to be swearing by the earth or swearing by heaven or you shouldn't have to add any. Here's what James said. You shouldn't have to add anything to your word. Your word ought to be good enough. 
You shouldn't be any of this. Well, I, I swear to God I'm telling the truth. Or I swear on a stack of Bibles. Or I swear on my mother's grave. Or cross my heart, hope to die. We shouldn't have to add anything to, yes, I will, Brother Gary. I promise. On my mother's grave, I will. Shouldn't have to be any of that. If your pastor tells you, I'll do it, then I ought to do it. You shouldn't have to have to add anything to that. But sadly, there is what MacArthur called these, these credibility gaps. Our word, our yes or our no, ought to be good enough. The need for anything else beyond our word is a testimony to the evil of our sinful nature. So let's, let's get into my, this tonight. When I talk about keeping your word, I'm talking about choosing consistently to do what you say you will do. Follow through with, with what you promise. And to start with, I want to look at a couple of things here tonight from the life of Christ because he set the example when it comes to keeping our word. So let's, uh, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 8. Just turn over there a couple of pages. Jesus always did what he said he would do. There is not one instance, to my knowledge anyway, and I, I stand to be corrected tonight, but there's not one instance in all of the Bible, in all of the New Testament, in the life of Christ, where Jesus said he would do something, and then he didn't follow through with what he said he would do. As far as I know, he had a perfect track record. What he said and what he did were always consistent. You know what you call that? Integrity. Integrity. So let's look at this. Jesus told the centurion that his servant was healed. Many of you will be familiar with this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. Another man come, and he cometh. And to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And Jesus, verse 13, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And by the time the centurion got home, Jesus had, had kept his word the man's servant was healed, and he asked them, when did this happen? And when they, the, the, he said, well, it happened in such and such a time. And the centurion knew in his head, in his heart, that's the exact time that Jesus told me that my son was going to be healed. Jesus kept his word. Go to the book of John, chapter 11. Jesus told Martha, again, you remember this, very familiar. Jesus told Martha that Lazarus would live again. Look at John chapter 11, verse 23. 
Again, we're talking about the fact that Jesus set the example for us. So in verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jump over to verse 39. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where uh, the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. What Jesus said would happen, happened. Go to John chapter 2. Jesus said that he would rise again. John chapter 2 and verse 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Verse 22, When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Have you ever met anybody that you knew as soon as they said something that it wasn't going to happen? They just got that reputation. They just have that testimony. You just you knew as soon as they said that, you just kind of cringe because, yeah, not going to happen. People could never say that about Jesus. He said, I'm going to rise again. Go ahead, tear down this temple three days, I'll raise it up again. And then just a few, day, a few verses later, it talks about how that he rose again. And the disciples believed Jesus kept his word. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. He, Jesus promised to build his church and that the gates of hell uh, would not prevail against it. In John chapter 16 and verse 18, the the promise that there would always, always be a church just like the one Jesus started on the earth and would still be on the earth when he came back. I'm talking about a church that teaches and preaches what Jesus preached and taught and then his disciples preached and taught and that those who, who they discipled preached and taught. Jesus said there would always be a, a, a line of churches uh, that would, would always be around on earth when that happens, and Jesus promised to build his church, look at it, verse 18, and, and I say unto thee uh, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so Jesus sets the example when it comes to really almost every area of our life, but certainly when it comes to keeping our word. He did exactly what he said he would do. So let's talk a little bit now about why sometimes we don't do that. Let's be honest. 
Sometimes, anybody here ever broke a promise or not done something you said you would do? If you're a parent, the answer is yes. If you're a grandparent, the answer is probably no, never. But if you're a parent, absolutely, absolutely, it happens. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not. But let's look at some reasons, some practical reasons why sometimes we don't keep our word. And I would put it at the top of the list, and maybe this is for me particularly, procrastination. Well, when I get around to it, I will. Isn't it funny how sometimes we just never get around to it? I mean, how many wives have heard that, I'll get it done, don't worry about it, I'll get it done. We moved into 224 South Webster. First house. We, when we moved here, the church had us a trailer house over Western Mobile Home Park South. That's where we lived. And then the first house that we bought was 224 South Webster, a little white house. And uh, we got new carpet throughout the bedrooms and things, and, and uh, consequently the doors wouldn't shut. And so being the woodworking kind of guy that I am, Anybody that knows me know that that's, they're the ones that are laughing. I, I took the doors off the hinges. Boom. Bingo. Win. Right there. Now, for me, that's huge. That is huge. That's big time. Took the doors off the hinges. Told my wife, I'll get, I'll, we'll cut the bottom of these off. I'll get them back on. Honey, how long do we live there? Be gentle. When we moved out, after four or five years, <clears throat> I was just such a busy guy in the ministry and stuff, the doors just never got put back on, <laughs> ever. I did not keep my word. You know, you move into a house, you get excited, you better get everything done before you stop. <laughs> it's just hard to pick up that paintbrush again. Or to take the door to get it cut off or whatever. But sometimes it's just procrastination. And let me just bring it a little more seriously. How many times has God heard that from us? Preacher preaches the message on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Evangelist comes in. Or the pastor comes in. Preaches a revival for us. God gets hold of our heart. The Holy Spirit just pounds us throughout the whole message. And we come forward. We... Do business with the Lord, and, and Lord, I'm going to start reading my Bible, I'm going to start praying, I'm going to start giving, I'm going to get involved in ministry, I'm going to do whatever it is that you've convicted me about doing, my family devotions, I'm going to do whatever, and here we are, months removed from that revival and what we said we were going to do, just haven't quite got it done yet. Procrastination is a big one in us not keeping our word. We, don't, we didn't intentionally lie. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't intentionally lie just to get my wife off my back. I had good intentions to get the doors shaved off so we could put them back on and, and, and the doors would close. Well, it just never happened. I, other things just became more important, and that became, believe me, far less important. But the matter is, 
I didn't keep my word to my wife. Now, she could live with that, but she's not God. And folks, when we give our word to the Lord, that's a pretty serious thing. You know, the Old Testament says, it, it says uh, um, it's better not to vow a vow than it is to vow a vow and break it. The Lord has no pleasure in fools. So when we make a commitment to the Lord and we don't keep it, that's a foolish thing. So keeping our word sometimes is just a matter of a procrastination. A, 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 here's another one, a lack of integrity. I told you all ago what integrity was. It's saying that you'll do something and then doing it. It's integrity. And sometimes people don't keep their words because they don't have integrity. There's a lack of integrity in their life. Robert C. Shannon writes this, No promise, verbal or written, is of any value except in relation to the integrity of the one who makes the promise. Some recall a time when a man's word was his bond. If we make promises, we ought to keep them. God does. I asked you, Demonio, have you ever talked to anybody or somebody said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, I'll get that done. Yeah, I'll give you $100 this week and $100 next week. And you knew when they were walking away, you wasn't going to get that other $100. Huh? Why? Because they have the reputation of not having any integrity. Integrity is when we make a commitment and we follow through with that commitment. There are a lot of dishonest people out there whose word just cannot be trusted. And here's what breaks my heart. Some of them go by the name Christian. That ought not be. Amen. There ought to be more amens than that unless you're one of them. There ought, that should not be. If we claim to be a follower of Christ, then we ought to be a person of integrity. We should not be known in our community for somebody that doesn't pay their bills. We ought to be known as people who do what we say we're going to do. Amen. That's just the way it ought to be. Here's another reason. Selfishness. Sometimes it's just selfishness. How many times have we made promises only to renege on them later? Because in order to keep them, it's just going to take too much time, or it's going to take too much effort, or it's going to take too much of our resources. You know, when we, when we, you know, and sadly, this is, we're, we're mostly home folks here tonight, so I can just be honest with you. You know, it, it's, it's like that in the ministry sometimes. When somebody says, oh yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. You automatically have a backup plan because you know they haven't done it the last six times they volunteered. Isn't that sad? I'm just being a little transparent here tonight. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, preacher, I'll do it. I'll be there. And in your mind, eh, you already got two other people lined up because they ain't coming. And they'll come up with some wild excuse about why they couldn't do what they said they would do and 
if you only stood, if you only understood how big a bind that puts my wife in, or me in, or Brother Tyler in, or one of the other staff in, when can I be honest with you? Well, that's too bad because I'm going to anyway. <laughs> when you say that, and then two days before, oh, I got this wild idea, this this scatterbrained excuse why you didn't do it. That puts a lot of pressure on a ministry person. And the bigger the event, the bigger the amount of pressure that happens. So can I just encourage you tonight? If you say you're going to do something, do it. You should, and do this, and I'll probably say this again in a minute. Before you step out on that limb, give us some thought. Okay, I'm going to have time to do it. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of work. Um, it's going to cost me a little bit. Think about those things. Listen, I would much rather have an honest no than a dishonest yes. Is that fair enough? I just assume somebody said, no, nah, preacher, I'm sorry. I, I can't commit to that. I can't do that. I'm good with that. Absolutely good with that. Katie's good with that. Ministry staff, we're good with that. What we're not good with, but because we're ministry people, we have to be good with, is a dishonest yes. Because again, that, that just puts us in a bind and puts a lot of pressure where there shouldn't be any pressure. And so we need to think about, about those things. Former United States Attorney General John Ashcroft wrote a book years ago called Lessons from a father to his sons. And in that book, he wrote this about Michael Jordan. Until 1997, Michael Jordan, indisputably the leading player in the NBA for over a decade, was never the highest paid player. When asked why he did not do what so many other players do, hold out on their contracts until they get more money, Michael replied, I have always honored my word. I went for security. I had six-year contracts, and I always honored them. People said I was underpaid, but when I signed on the dotted line, I gave my word. Three years later, after several highly visible players reneged on their contracts, a reporter asked Michael once again, about being underpaid and he explained that if his kids saw their dad breaking a promise how could he continue training them to keep their word by not asking for a contract renegotiation Michael Jordan Ashcroft wrote spoke volumes to his children he told them you stand by your word even when that might go against you. And I like that. You stand by your word, even when that might go against you. Listen to me tonight. A selfish person won't do that. They just won't. If it's not in their best interest at the time, they're not going to keep their word. 
doesn't matter who they told it to. If keeping their word um, interferes with their time, something else comes up that they want to do more than what they told you they would do, then because they're selfish, they're not going to keep their word. If keeping their promise cuts into their uh, Christmas budget or keeping their promise cuts into their vacation budget, then what they had vowed to give and what they committed to give, they're not going to give. Why? Because of selfishness. It's just that simple. So folks, we need to keep our word. That, that's, just, that's just common sense. That's just Bible. Amen? We ought to keep our word. And then finally, let's talk about the practice of uh, keeping our word. Don't get used to these short Wednesday nights. Let me give you some guidelines. I told you this is going to be very practical. And there's no reason for this first one not to happen. You got an Apple Watch, you got an iPhone, you got all kind of gadgets. Listen, this, this shouldn't happen. Remember what you tell people you will do for them. Write it down, put it in your phone. I mean, there are all, all kind of apps out there to remind you. I mean, they'll reach up and slap you in the face, all kind of things. Just, I mean, that you'll remember to do it. But sometimes, and, and I am a, I am, I'm not always good at this. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and here's another reason why you shouldn't ever ask your pastor to do something for you on Sunday morning when you're going through the line. Because I'm trying to catch everybody else, and they say, hey, preacher, yeah, 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 I got you, yeah. I'm clueless. I have no idea, no idea what I told you I would do on Sunday. But remember what you tell people you will do. Write it down. Don't depend on your memory. Amen. Follow through with your promise as soon as you can. Number two. If you promise something, even if your circumstances change, keep the promise. And I should add in there, if at all possible. I understand, if I promise Brother Gary I'm going I'm to come over Friday and help him mow the grass at his apartments, and Friday morning my wife wakes up and I have to take her to the doctor or to the hospital because she's just not feeling very well. And I got to do what I got to do. And I'm guessing Brother Gary would probably understand that. But if Brother Gary drove by the golf course <laughs> and I'm hanging out over there, he loves his pastor and he'd be kind, probably wouldn't say a word, but in his heart, he would have to ask Jesus to forgive him for all them names that he thought and all the anger and bitterness in his heart. So I probably should add to that, if at all possible. I, listen, I understand life happens. Okay, we get that. But golf doesn't need to happen. If I told Brother Gary that I'd come over on Friday and help him mow his grass. So... 
if my circumstance by my circumstances there I that would mean that probably Jim Potts who doesn't do anything but play golf <laughs> called me and say hey, preacher you play golf on Friday okay mow grass play golf I'll be there that that's what I'm talking about amen well I got a better offer today well, the better offer doesn't stand right now. You told Brother Gary you go help your mow his grass. And so, I, I, I'm not making a commitment, by the way. It's just illustration, okay? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, people get taken literally. They, wow, preacher, that's really nice of you. Your commitment to your word ought to override anything that comes up after you've made a promise. Within, within reason. Let her see apologize if you've not kept your word don't make excuses just just man up i'm sorry you might even go as far as to say i lied don't try to justify it well you know brother gary jim called i really haven't spent a lot of time with jim he's kind of a needy guy and you know uh, just haven't been a very good pastor to him. And, and Gary's going, would you just shut up and just tell me you lied? If we've, if we've not kept our word, then just apologize to it, uh, for it. Admit that we were wrong and ask forgiveness. It, it's, it's not that difficult. Number four. If you aren't sure you can do it, don't promise. My wife, I, must have been last night. Was it last night? She doesn't, she, honey, where are you going? I have no idea. It was, it was a night that I was, I was batching it, so I ordered pizza. And was that last night? Yeah, that's last night. See, I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> it was last night. And so I went in my room. Kelby, the Giants were, were playing the Dodgers, and Kelby was playing. So I was sitting on the bed, and I was eating pizza. And I got done, and I'd be a, a nice husband. And so I threw it all in the trash in the bedroom. <laughs> I did not do that. Yes. And so, nicely, but a little frustrated, honey, would you do me a favor? She said, well, next time when you eat, would you not put your, your food in the trash can? Huh? In the bedroom? You know what I said? I was very careful. If you aren't sure you can do it, don't promise. I said, honey, I will try to do that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make a commitment. <laughs> because I might get lazy again next week and put it in there. But honestly, that's, that's a comical situation. Well, to me it was. But, but if, you, if, you, if you're not sure that you can do it, then, then don't, don't promise. It's better to say, listen, it's better to say no and then do it 
than it is to say yes and not do it. All the years our boys and daughter were growing up, they were involved in all kinds of Kids Inc. stuff, and I was forever asked, would you coach? And I never committed to coaching. I never made that commitment. And I always told them why. I I just don't know when I'm going to have to be gone. I don't know what's, my schedule is just crazy. And I'm in the ministry and that comes first. And, and, but I'll be at as many practices as I can be. Because I understood that it's better to say no and then do it than it is to say yes and have a bunch of parents show up for practice and there not be any coach there. Now, guess what? The head coach never got angry when I showed up to help coach. Never got angry. And you know what else? He never got angry when I didn't show up because I didn't promise him that I would. I was up front, said I can't be a head coach, but I'll help as much as I can. And that's all that that's saying. If you're not sure that you can do it, then don't commit to it. Know know what you're getting yourself into. That's a big one. Consider how keeping your commitment will affect your ability to be faithful to the Lord's house. You understand that? Before you say yes, if this is going to be an every Sunday or every Wednesday thing, then maybe, maybe you probably shouldn't commit to it. Because you really need to be in church on Sunday and Wednesday. And so ask yourself, I mean, if this is going to be a huge commitment where you're going to miss a lot of church and a lot of the Lord's work and a lot of ministry opportunity, then maybe you ought to stop and give that consideration. I mean, there are all kinds of things you can get involved in, even as adults. There's symphonies and there are plays and programs and all of that kind of stuff. Before you jump in and get all gung-ho, well, how many choir practices am I going to have to miss on Wednesday? That's something you ought to take in consideration. That's only fair to Brother Tyler. Amen? If we've committed to be in a choir, then we need to be in a choir. And if we've committed to drive a bus on Wednesday, then, then we need to drive a bus on Wednesday. So there's a lot of ways that this comes into play in the Lord's house and in the ministry as well. And so give that some consideration and, and, and don't feel pressured into making a hasty commitment. If you have to, just say, hey, I'll think about it. And then here's another. Remember, keeping your word defines your character. Keeping your word defines your character. You will be judged by the way you do what you say you will do. But church, beyond that, Jesus is going to be judged too. And Fellowship Baptist Church will be judged too. And Christianity as a whole will be judged too. Now, let me give you a positive example of that. I've given you enough negative. Let me give you a positive example of that. Katie works at uh, 2020 Optical. 
and uh, some time ago, um, she was asked, she said, are there any more people from your church who you think would want to work here? Because the people that I have who work here from your church, they're just good employees. Now listen, that's a pretty good testimony. That's a, that's a pretty good testimony. And that's the kind of testimony we ought to have. We really should. You know, I want to hire someone for, I want to hire a kid from there. I serve on the board at Heartland Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City. And uh, the college has that reputation. When it, when it rolls around, a school's starting, and they've got the job fair. Listen, people want to hire, for the most part, people want to hire students from Heartland because they're good workers. They're reliable. They're honest. They're trustworthy. They're dependable. They do what they say they're going to do. And that's the kind of testimony we want Heartland Baptist Bible College to have in Oklahoma City where people want to hire those students. And that's the way it ought to be. And remember that we're not just living our life on this little island and whatever we do doesn't matter. Listen, what we do matters big time. And above all, keep your word to God. You break your word to me, eh, I'll just, I'll be okay. It's really not anything. But listen, when we break our word to God, we make a commitment to God, and we don't keep our word to God, that's a big deal. It's, it's just a big deal. So whether it comes to missions conference time at the end of April, and we commit to giving so much a month, so much a week, whatever, to the Lord uh, throughout the course of the next year, then that commitment is not made to the church. It's not made to your pastor. That commitment's made to God. And we need to keep that commitment. Building fund, whatever the case may be, whatever commitment we make, we need to keep. And then, um, let me just give you some verses real quick. Um, I guess we got out too early, did we? Uh, Psalm 34, 13, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Uh, Psalm 102 or 120, verse 2, deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Proverbs 4, 24, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are abomination to the Lord. And in Proverbs 6, 16, 17, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are abomination unto him. But number one is a proud look. Number two is a lying tongue. And then let me just add this. I, I added this to the, uh, to the bottom of my notes here. When you sign a contract on a home or a car or whatever, you do understand tonight that your signature is your word. I'm committing that I will keep, I will fulfill this commitment. Well, I didn't, I didn't say verbally, no, but you wrote it. And it's the very same thing. You know, I have no problem, I have absolutely no problem saying this tonight. Christians ought to pay their bills. Everybody ought to, but especially Christians. We ought to pay our bills. It's a bad testimony on every Christian there is. When we don't pay our bills. If I didn't pay my bills as your pastor... It would look real bad on this church. 
It would look bad on you as a church member and you as a Christian. Because the people are going to well, they're all, they're all the same. Well, no, they're not. There are a lot of people, a lot of people who keep their word and a lot of people who pay their bills, a lot of people who are honest. So if I'm a scoundrel and I don't keep my word, don't, don't, don't think everybody at Fellowship Baptist Church is that way because they're not. Don't think that every believer is that way because they're not. But sometimes we just need to stop and think, what, what is this going to do? I, and we could go way beyond keeping your word tonight. We could go into a lot of areas tonight. What kind of impact is this going to, what's this going to say about God? What's this going to say about Jesus? When others see me do this or hear me say this, what are, they, what are they going to think about other Christians in the workplace? What are they going to think about other Christians in our community? I think that's fair. And we, we need to be careful and always keep our word. Amen?